Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Thank you, Lauren. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's so good to see you all. Um, can I just draw your attention to a couple of things that have happened? Whenever we take a couple of moments to pray, whenever Lauren works through some things that are going on in the life of our church, it can kind of wash over us, but I just want you to notice that we took time as a church today to pray for climate justice. Uh, we are passionate about this place. We are also a people that are passionate about justice. We've also launched Love Lagon Valley, where we want to be the kind of community that give our lives away for the sake of our entire region. We are passionate about generosity, and we're also passionate about prayer. It's what we did, and it's what we're going to do tonight. Justice, generosity, and prayer. I want to be part of that kind of a church, and I'm really glad that I get to be a part of that kind of church with all of you. If you've got a Bible with you, can I invite you to turn with me, not to 1 John, but to the Gospel of John chapter 17. Um, Today is the last Sunday in our Love Alive series. We have spent the past couple of weeks working our way through a teaching that the Apostle John wrote down and sent around a couple of churches in and around the city of Ephesus. But as we wrap up the series, I want to circle back to where we first started. Because as you will remember, we began the series around a table. A table that Jesus laid for his disciples the night before he died. He gathered his friends for a meal. But before they get started, he surprised them. He got up from the table. He picked up a basin and he filled it with water. He picked up a towel and he wrapped it around his waist. And he went around the table one by one, washing the feet of each of his disciples, especially the disciple who was about to betray him. And then he sat back down and he began to teach his disciples, but he began by saying that I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you before going on to say this, Cassie, do you want to flick this up? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. This morning, as we wrap up Love Alive, I want to draw our attention to the final words that Jesus would say that night, ultimately the final words that Jesus would pray that night, before he would get up from the table and he would cross the Kidron Valley and he would dive into the depths of Gethsemane to pray and to prepare himself for his own crucifixion. But before he rose, before his disciples, he took a moment to pray to the Father. And I wanna invite us this morning to listen in on the prayer of Jesus. And so if you're able, can I invite you please to stand for the reading of God's word. John 17, beginning at verse 20. Jesus has been praying for the disciples that were gathered around the table that evening, but then he goes on to pray this. Come Holy Spirit. My prayer is not for them alone, Jesus prayed. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me 
so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory which you have given to me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord given to us so that we may know the love of the Father, may practice the way of the Son and be filled over and over and over again by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. You can grab a seat. One of the most encouraging aspects of being a follower of Jesus is the truth that he is praying for us right now. Jesus is sat at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for us. He is praying for you and he's praying for me. I don't know about you, but one of the questions I find myself asking from time to time is if I was able to hear Jesus praying aloud, what would he be praying? What would Jesus be saying? What would he be praying? Now, this is purely speculative. It's purely my hunch. But I reckon that Jesus, he wouldn't have just prayed this prayer once around the table that night. This wasn't a once-off prayer for Jesus. I reckon that this was a prayer that Jesus kept returning back to and keeps returning back to, like a liturgy repeated over and over and over again. Because in John 17, we hear Jesus' prayer for us those of us who would receive the teachings of the apostles and decide to follow Jesus. We see his desire for our lives, for the shape that our lives are to take. And this section of John 17, it clearly had a profound impact on the apostle John. Ultimately, it's the origin of everything that we've spoken about over the past couple of weeks through this series. Because there's two interconnected threads, which we find in this prayer, and we've talked about over and over and over again through this series. The first thread is ultimately this, that the Father loves us in the same way that he loves Jesus. Look at verse 23 with me for a moment as we see the profound truth that we are loved in the same way that Jesus is loved. The Father's love for each of us is in direct proportion to the love that he has for Jesus. It is one and the same. Do you remember last week, we got a little bit nerdy for a couple of moments and we dived into the original language of First John to see that he was wanting to remind us of who we truly are, our core identity. He reminded us that we are dear children, that we are brothers and sisters, but six times throughout his letter, he writes that we are dear children. And as we saw in the original language in the Greek that John would have written this letter in, we see that this word, dear friends, a much better way to describe it is ultimately the word beloved. Because this is the word that Jesus would hear whenever he rose from the waters of baptism to only hear the Father say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. John's wanting to make it really clear. He keeps banging on about it all the time because he wants us to know, really know, that you and I, well, we are the beloved of God. We're his beloved sons and beloved daughters. And in 
in us, he is really, really well pleased. The Father loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. Jesus is now in us and we find ourselves now in him. Our lives, our stories, the defining truth of who we are, it has become enfolded into a completely different story, God's story of love. This means that we never need to prove ourselves anymore. Our frantic attempts to try to establish an identity for ourselves, our tireless work of managing and curating our own images, that doesn't matter anymore. We don't need to live in fear of God anymore. We can now approach him with confidence, knowing that perfect love, it casts out all fear. Whenever God looks at you, he sees you hidden in Jesus. And so we can rest. We can settle. We can recline at the table, the place of union, the place of leaning, reclining right up against Jesus. Because we too, like John, we can describe ourselves as disciples whom Jesus loves. And yet being loved is not all that there is to it because there's a second thread in this conversation. Christ's prayer for us is that we as his disciples would be one, that we would be brought together into complete unity. Here's the thing about Jesus. He is pulling off the most audacious social experiment that has ever existed as he seeks to form a family, a family made up of the most random bunch of people. The Spirit is the one leading this. He's the one pulling it off. But we are to play our part as he forms us into this new kind of community. Do you remember the one verse that we have kept talking about over and over and over again over the past couple of weeks? Cassie, do you want to flick up 1 John 4? Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The love of Jesus is never to be kept confined to simply myself or yourself. It is to be experienced by us, but it is also to be extended to other people. We've been invited into an as-so spirituality, just as we have received the love of Jesus, which is tangible, proactive, and sacrificial, so we are to love one another with a tangible, proactive, and sacrificial kind of love. The shape of Christ's love for us is to be the shape of our love for other people. We are to love one another in exactly and precisely the same way that we have been loved. So... If you say that you love God, but don't love a brother or a sister, you're a liar. I really like to be loved. So take that up with John. He said that first. I'm just quoting him, right? John has been so clear throughout all of this. We will never truly experience the love of Christ if we keep it to ourselves. Jesus' love is always others-centered. It is never self-centered. There is no Christian frame of reference for selfish, consumeristic, me and my Jesus kind of love. It is impossible to experience the love of Jesus without extending the love of Jesus, especially to those who are different from us. For it is only whenever we love people who are different that the love of God really comes alive. And so in recent weeks, we've talked about how we live like that through acts of organic kindness behind the scenes of our lives. Last week, we talked about encouragement, and we're going to take a couple of moments at the end of our gathering to do that again. But there's one piece of the puzzle that I want to leave you with. 
a piece of the puzzle that will help us as the Spirit forms us into this community of love. And ultimately, it comes down to how we see each other. A few moments ago, we talked about identity, who we are in Jesus. We're loved by him. Michael led us in a song just before Lauren got up about how much we are loved by God. And maybe I'm not as holy as you guys are, but truthfully, whenever I sing songs like that, or hear somebody talk about identity like that. I've been so formed by this movement that we described a couple of weeks ago of moving from a we to an I, that whenever I hear somebody talk about identity in Christ or sing songs like the songs that we've sang, my head goes to, yep, that's true of me, end of conversation. This is really subtle, really, really subtle. But we are in danger all of the time of narrowing the desire of Jesus and making it all about us. The true spiritual pilgrimage that we have been invited into is for us to grow in maturity, for us to move to a place where we can hear the good news and say, yes, that is true of me. But we also open our eyes. We look up. And we look around and we see, yes, it is true of me, but it is also true of him and her and him and her. Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it like this. The language is a bit blokey, but you can forgive him for that. He says this, Not what a man is in himself as a Christian. His spirituality and piety constitutes the basis of our community, essentially, whatever we do and whoever we are. But what determines our brotherhood or sisterhood is what that man is by reason of Christ. Our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. This is precisely how difference dissolves away in the church and we become one by looking around to see that I am surrounded by tales of transformation that each of your lives have been transformed by Jesus. Therefore, you are my brothers and sisters, as diverse as you may be. You are loved just as much as I am loved by Jesus. Each of us has a good news story to tell. We are all the beloved. We can think that the table that Jesus sets for us, we kind of frame it as being like a nice, intimate, romantic meal for just me and Jesus to enjoy, right? Here's the thing that we need to remember. There are many, many, many seats around the feast of Jesus. Each of us is welcome to find our place at this table because we have all experienced sheer grace. That means that we need to look at each other through God. As Frank Lubach would say, we need to use God as our glasses to look through him, tinted with his love for each of you, my brothers and my sisters. It's one thing for me to come to the table, recognizing and receiving the truth that I am not the mistakes that I have made, that I am not the plans that have come to nothing, that I am not my past. It's a whole other thing though, for us to look at one another, especially those who have wronged us, especially those who have let us down, especially those people that just tick us off and come to the table and come to see that they are not the mistakes that they have made, 
that they are not the plans that have come to nothing, that they are not their past, that they are not their deconstruction, that they are not their struggles, they are not their addiction, they are not their insecurities, but they are also a disciple that Jesus loves. Whenever we learn to look at each other through that lens of love, the prayers of Jesus begin to get answered because we get to be united with a shared identity, a collective kind of grace. And whenever we live like that, we begin to embody a counterculture. We pull up a chair at this table as the alternative peculiar people of God, the new humanity that he is fashioning. Because at this table, there's no Jew or Gentile. There's no slave or free. There's no male or female. There's no rich or poor. There's no degree or GCSE. There's no Enneagram type four or INTJ. There's no employed or unemployed, no influencer or double tapper. There's no famous or failure. There is no strong and weak for we all get to sit here as one in Christ Jesus. And everyone else around us, they get to look in, seeing that we find our home our home place here at this table and they get to see my goodness that is what Jesus is like he's love and he's helping his people find a home so often we want to take these two threads receiving the love of Jesus and giving the love of Jesus away and we want to pull them apart but as we've come to see and as we're gonna come and taste today, those two threads always are entangled together. Henry Nouwen puts it like this, intimacy with God and solidarity with people, love of God and love of neighbor. They are two aspects of the indwelling presence of God. And these two realities can never, and I would say must never be separated. They come together in physical space, in real time, in real life, and they are realized in the context of community through the local church. The body of Christ, celebrated and seen and revealed at the Eucharist, at the table, the place of communion. Therefore, we can draw the circle of our lives wider. To put it another way, communion, it creates community. True community can only be lived as it comes out of our intimate communion with God. And that is precisely why I want to invite you, my brothers and sisters, to come to the table. Because it's here, sharing the same meal that Jesus shared with his friends the night before he died. Well, this is to be the shape of our lives. Our lives are to look like a table, surrounded by people who are so different to us, who have become family. Our, our life is to look like bread, broken for the sake of one another. Our life is to look like wine, poured out in love. This table reminds us of the shape that our life is to take. The two most important pieces of who we are, we're to love God and we're to love one another. Because at this table, we remember that we have received abundant, life-changing love, but we do not receive this meal on our own. We share it with one another as family, sharing the meal that Jesus laid before us. We're to love each other in the same way that we have been loved. 
our lives are to take the shape of bread and wine. We're to embody a Eucharistic kind of life together. I know that I've been banging on for the past couple of weeks. I know that I've spoken a lot. I've come at this idea from many different angles, but ultimately, I've been trying to say one thing. It is only whenever we love one another that we will truly learn to love God. My hero is a pastor who passed away two years ago. His name is Eugene Peterson. And as he has the habit of doing, he has taken everything that I've been trying to say for the past six weeks and he's distilled it down to about four lines. Let me read it for you. This is ultimately being everything that I've been trying to say. You are the one he loves. And this world, it is the ground on which he loves each of you. This is who you are, your identity, loved by God. But being loved is not all there is to it. Being loved creates a person who can love, a person who must love. Getting love is a launch into giving love. Or to put it even more simply, God loves you. Christ shows you how love works. So brothers and sisters, now go and love if you're able. Can I invite you to stand with me as we come to the table? And as you stand, can I invite you just to close your eyes for a moment? Take a couple of breaths, in and out, just so that you're here, right here, and nowhere else. And I'm not gonna invite us to pray right now but instead I'm gonna invite us to listen to the prayer of Jesus once again. Let's receive these words and let's make them our lives. Jesus says this, I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me. Because of them and their witness about me, the goal is for all of them to become one heart and one mind. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might become one heart and one mind with us. Then the world might believe that you in fact sent me the same glory you gave me, I gave them, so they'll be as unified and together as we are, I and them and you and me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and love them in the same way that you've loved me. As we come to the table today, I want you to do me a favor, and I know it's really awkward. I want you to open your eyes. I want you to look up, and I want you to look around. For real, look, look around the room, just begin. I know, particularly if you're at the front, I know it's so awkward because you need to turn around and all, but do take a moment, just look around the room, clock eyes with each other. Here's the thing, if, God is your father, then this is your family. 
the test of your love for God will be how you love these kinds of people. I know these kinds of people. We are to be the kind of community that loves each other well. And it is only whenever we do that, that the love of God, it comes alive. We get the privilege of embarking on a journey that is one step forward, two steps back, as we are slowly formed over and over and over again into the people of God, the people who find home right here. And so that being said, I wanna invite us to pray a really short prayer together. Cassie, do you wanna flick this up for us? I wanna invite us to pray, not just praying words on a screen, but believing that as we pray, the Spirit will take these words and make it into a reality in the life of our community. So let's pray these words together. Christ, King of tenderness, Christ, King of tenderness, bind us with a bond that cannot be broken. Bind us with a bond that cannot be broken. May your love for us and our love for one another come alive. Amen. You can grab a seat. Because of the great love that the Father has for us, we as the followers and the friends of Jesus, we are welcome at this table. I wanna invite Michael and the guys up. If you are taking communion today, we will be using these weird little Nespresso pod thingy majiggers. So um, just to let you know how these things work, peel off the first layer and you'll be able to get to the wafer, peel off the second layer and you'll be able to get to the non-alcoholic grape juice. Can I encourage you, take your time today. We're no rush. Don't knock it back too quick, all right? Slowly rest here, all right? Just, just be here for a few moments. Rest in the presence of Jesus. This meal is for those of us who are moving towards Jesus, whether that moving towards him looks like a sprint or looks like a stumble. But if you're moving towards him, you're really welcome to come and share the feast of Jesus today. If you are here, though, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, but you would love to follow Jesus and join the family of the church. Trust me whenever I say this, it would be the deepest privilege for me to be able to come and talk with you, pray with you, and share bread and wine with you today as we welcome you into the family. There's two ways you can do that. I'm gonna be around at the front at the end. Do come and speak to me. But looking around this room, there's lots of really, really lovely people. And so if you're here today, just nudge somebody who's beside you and they can come and grab me and then I'll head back and we can take a moment to pray and share communion together. As we do share communion, we're gonna take time to pray. I'd really encourage you to pray with the people that you came with today. I'd really encourage you to also join in if you want with worship as Michael leads us. But let me take a moment before we share just to lead us to the place of the table. The Lord is with us and his spirit is here. Through a once and for all time sacrifice, we have received the greatest gift of them all, union with Christ. His life has become tethered with ours, bound together by love, so woven together, it is so much more accurate to say that we no longer live, but Christ now lives in us. My brothers and sisters, you're seen by God exactly as Jesus is seen by God. You're the beloved. 
You've been crucified with Christ, unified with him, identified with him. You are not the mistakes that you have made. You are not the plans that have come to nothing. You are not what people say about you. You're not left alone in the darkness of your doubt or deconstruction. You are embraced by the Father with his ring on your finger, his cloak on your back, and you're welcome to sit at his table today. In Christ, you're accepted, you're anointed, you're sealed, you're forgiven, you're redeemed, you're complete, and you're free. You're Christ's friend, God's child, and Spirit's home. The love of Jesus can now be your North Star, bringing you back home because you're the beloveds and his desire is for you. And so friends, brothers and sisters, in light of sheer grace, as one, I wanna invite you today to share in the feast of Jesus with bread and with wine. Let's share communion together. Here's the thing, even as I share communion there, it's so easy for me just to narrow this thing down to just being about me and to not being about us. And so with that, I want to lead us to a place where we got to last week. I want to invite us, as we've experienced the love of Jesus, to be able to go and extend that to one another through the really simple but supernatural act of encouragement. And so I'm going to invite you in a few moments to just wait on the Lord for a moment, to see if he places anybody on your heart or at the forefront of your mind. And then we're gonna wait a little longer and we're gonna see if God speaks to you because we genuinely believe that Jesus speaks to us today. And then once we're done with that, I don't want you to just keep that stuff in your head. I want you to go to that person and to share that encouragement with them, to look them in the eye and to bless them with words of life. Before we do that though, um, I've just kind of prompted a couple of friends of mine, just as they have been in the room, just to be open to see if Jesus has been saying anything specifically for one of us, for a family or for a group of us. So um, I'm just gonna wait. And if any of my friends have anything specific to share, yeah. Yeah, come on up, Heather, brilliant. Anybody else? No, we're good, brilliant. Heather Sherwood, the Lord's Indian. <laughs> it's only one, the one and only. Um, I really felt a sense of, um, for people who are finding it painful to stand today, um, and I feel like it's twofold. The first thing is I feel like it's for people who are actually physically struggling to stand, um, whether it be you've got back pain or pain in your knees, pain in your ankles, or something that causes pain in your body, that when you stand to worship, uh, that you feel pain. And I feel like there's grace in the room for healing around that today. Um, so maybe in this next bit, if that is you, grab someone beside you to pray for you. Um, and the second thing is about people who are 
struggling to stand emotionally or spiritually and you feel pain in standing in who you are in God or in who God says he is or maybe even in a position that God has given you. And I just kept thinking about this verse from Ephesians 6. It says, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. And I just feel like there's encouragement from God today that if you are someone who is struggling in this time to stand and the temptation is just to sit down and just to say, well, what is the point in this? That actually, if you stand in who God has clothed you to be and what God's clothing you in, um, then actually you'll find yourself standing and being able to continue to stand. Would you stay here one more second? Um, we're gonna be here after the service and we believe that Jesus heals and so if you do have any physical pain that prevents you from standing or it's painful to stand particularly whenever you're worshiping um Heather myself Lauren would love to pray for you so just come up to the front stick wee mask on and just come up but for anybody who um senses that that second word is specifically for you I think it's only fair that you pray for them right now so can I invite everybody to close their eyes just for a moment and if that is you if you're struggling to stand in the truth of who Jesus says you are loved by him, can I just invite you just really subtly just to place a hand over your heart, just in a way of saying to Jesus, I want to receive that word. And I'd love to invite Heathers to pray for those people. Yeah, God, we just lift up uh, every person before you, God, in this room uh, and online that is struggling to stand in painful times, who's struggling to stand in painful circumstances, who is struggling to believe the truth of what you say about who they are and what you say about who you are. God, we just pray, would this be a day of new vision? God, would this be a day of opening the eyes of their heart to see more of who they are and who you have called them to be? God, we just pray for opportunities of community in this place today as we share with each other what is going on in our lives and the difficulties that we're walking through. God, we just pray for those who feel like they just want to sit down, that the journey has been too much, that they feel too tired, that they are too weary. God, we just break off those lies in Jesus' name and we declare strength. We declare strength to weak knees and we declare hope to rise in Jesus' name. Just take a minute before we bounce out. I want to invite us to stay in the space and just ask Jesus, like literally just ask him in prayer, who can I encourage today? So take a moment. If it's helpful to kind of cancel out distractions, just close your eyes and ask him, who can I encourage today? Maybe somebody you've seen today, maybe somebody that you're going to see later on. It might be the person that's really ticking you off right now. 
All Heather was doing this morning was just listening to what Jesus was saying. And there was a scripture that she got and just a sense of what Jesus was doing. And that is really how he speaks to us. And so can I just invite you just to wait for 30 seconds longer. And with that person at the forefront of your mind, just listen and ask Jesus, what are you saying to that person? How can I encourage them? And just wait. What is he saying? that person today but as we wrap up let me bless each of you dear friends since God so loved us may you all of you love one another may you come to know that you above all else are a disciple whom Jesus really loves but you may you also see that that is true of all of your brothers and sisters so may the love of Christ and our love for one another come alive. It's been so good to be with you today. I'd really love to see you out of corporate prayer tonight at seven o'clock. Have a wonderful Sunday. Grace, peace to you all.